Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for worshiping Him. Thank you for joining together. You matter to what God is doing in this place. He is sovereign, but He is not fixated or focused upon space. You can kind of understand. The heaven is His throne and the earth is His footstool. What does this place mean to Him? It means a lot to us. It's beautiful to us. And I'm thankful that God has provided for us. But God is here for something much more exalted than a physical structure. He's here for the temples made without hands. That's you and that's me. Hallelujah. And that can't happen if you don't join together with me. But when we gather together in His name, there He is in the midst of us. And what you feel here today is God responding to us, gathering together in obedience to His Word and Him being in the midst of us. So thank you for being a part of that. I need to feel God today. I need God active in my life today. Anybody else with me on that? I need God operating. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for the purity of it. I don't know those that sit over in that section when I sit in there today. Uh, Sister Jennifer, I sing loud. I know you probably hear me behind you, and I let it belt. I don't know that I sound very good. In fact, I probably don't. Um, but that last song, you probably had a reprieve from my raucous noise because I just stood there in the midst of that song, and I listened. I knew I was to preach today, and I just thank you. There was worship that was happening in this atmosphere as you praised the King, as you loved Him, and uh, it ministered to my spirit. And so thank you. And it's important. It's important not only what you receive when you come to church, but it's important what you bring when you come to church. You are an integral part of it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So a few weeks back, uh, there was a challenge. I believe it came from Sister Leela, but I'm not for positive. I think it was about getting into the Word and about... Uh, and, and there was a challenge to do it in groups, and I haven't done it in group yet, but I did take that challenge seriously, and so I have endeavored. I've not been perfect. I've missed some mornings. I've gotten distracted and got busy with what the work of God and forgot to just take some time, and some mornings have been longer and others have been a little shorter, and some I've been more focused and some I've been more distracted. Anybody with me? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a human thing here. And uh, but but I have begun to endeavor. I I decided to go back and and start in the book of Genesis, and I decided to do a, a very careful and close reading using the Net Bible, the New English Translation, because they have some great notes. And uh, and so I just I just wanted to kind of walk through it slowly and carefully. And I'm still in the middle of it. I am barely halfway through chapter two, so I've been going very slowly. Uh, I don't read very fast anyway, but then when you give me a bunch of notes, Sister Jackie, I'm going to go even slower because I'm kind of an inquisitive guy. That's just kind of the way I am. And so I've, I've been digging deep into the scriptures a little bit. And so um, today I want to I want to preach to you a sermon that that has its foundations, if you will, not its application, but its foundations in uh, the beginning of my study here. And and Honestly, a lot of the things that I'm going to say to you today are not brand new to me, but in the midst of it, some of the, some of the conclusions out of things I already knew uh, are, are fresh, if you will. And on the basis of that, it's going to sound like I'm starting teaching. So I need to tell you right now, I'm going to get to preaching. 
But I need to lay this foundation, if you will, from the first few verses of Genesis chapter 1, and then I'm going to take you to the application. What does it mean for us today? What does it matter to us in the present? And so beginning with Genesis chapter 1, and if I somehow uh, give directions to the to the AV crew, first of all, welcome to all of you that are online. We're so glad that you're here. I know some of you are online for various reasons, and uh, we're glad that you're able to be with us. It's not the same as you being here, but it's better than not having anything. And so thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being tapped in. And if you watch this later, if somehow there's a time change or some reason that you're watching this later, Thank you for the honor of serving you. Thank you for being able to speak into your life. Now, for all of you online and in person, if I say uh, baby doll, sugar lump, boo, or any other, any other endearing term to, to the projection lady, please understand and have it stipulated, it's my daughter. There's nothing inappropriate going on. It's Candace running projection for me today, and I may fall into that pattern. So just, just giving you warning of that. All right, boo, let's go. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, leave it right there, Candace. First thing that we need to understand is that we don't know what beginning this is from this first verse. We're going to have to keep reading to gain some clarity about what beginning? The word beginning is a, is a very strong word because it is referring to something that's at the start of something. And I want to, at the outset, please let you understand that the rest of Scripture is very clear that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Before Him, there was nothing, and after Him, there will be nothing. He has no father or no mother. So understand that other scriptures establish that when you're talking about God, which by the way, he doesn't tell us a lot about himself. In fact, he tells us more what he's not than he does what he is. A lot of the revelation of who God is is actually a revelation, I'm not that. I'm not made with hands. I'm not gold or silver or wood. I'm not limited by time or space. You and I don't even have the ability to understand what it means to not be limited by time and space because that's our definition, our reality. So God spends a lot of time really telling us what he's not, and we're left with then this attempt to understand what he is by the absence of what he is not. So I need you to understand that when it comes to the concept, and if this goes over your head, then let it go over your head, but when it comes to the concept of creation ex nihilo, the idea that creation is out of nothing, that God is the beginning of everything, I am not here this morning to dispute that. I think Scripture well establishes that. But I would submit to you this morning that I don't think Genesis 1 establishes that. And here's why. Verse number 2 tells us something about this beginning. Now, the earth was without shape 
and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. I know there's more text. Can you be disciplined, or do I need to put the title slide up? Don't read ahead. Let's pause there for a moment. At this beginning, when this God, who we know so little about, but we do know he's the beginning, he's the end, he's the alpha, he's the omega, we know that he does not come from anything in our world, rather everything in our world comes from him. That God creates the heavens and the earth. And at that moment of creation, when that began, when that process began, there was already an earth. And it's described as being without shape and empty. It's described as being covered with darkness and water. So when you read this text carefully and you allow it to speak without imposing ideas on top of it, this text tells us that in this beginning, whatever it's the beginning of, in this beginning, God is beginning with a mess. There's already an earth, but it's shapeless. It's empty. It's not productive. It's not it's not the way it's supposed to be. Instead of there being light, there's darkness, and water is everywhere. If you've ever had a flood, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Water everywhere is a mess. It gets in places you didn't know it could find. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've unfortunately had the blessing or the cursing of having my basement flooded twice, not just with water, but with sewer water. So that's just, oh, it's, talk about elimination. Some of you were on small group when the second one happened where it began to back up and you saw me dive from my chair and begin yelling in a way that probably wasn't very respectful because my wife was upstairs just having the lovely shower of her life and all of that water is flowing down and creating pressure to cause all of the sewer to come back up. Anyway, I was fit to be tied. And I didn't have time to turn off the camera. So you all got to, you know, you didn't see me, but you heard me. Some of you may remember that. Water gets everywhere. And so this is, this is the mess. The writer of the book of Genesis, obviously... I'm going to assume you know a little bit about the rest of the story. Obviously, by divine revelation, there were no humans there. Tells us that in the beginning, and here I would submit to you, the beginning is our beginning. It's not the beginning of everything. It's our beginning. Because this book is actually not a book about everything. There are questions you can ask that this book doesn't answer. You know what this book, when it doesn't answer those questions, does? It tells you one of two things. You can either go discover them if God lets you by physical science, or if you can't crack it there, it's none of your beeswax. So, dear Christian, don't let anybody force you into, well, if the Bible doesn't answer every one of my questions, it can't answer any of my questions. That is a false choice. There's some stuff God goes, you don't need to know that. Well, I want to know it. Well, just because you want it don't mean you get it. Come on. There's a lot of parents in here, right? Your kids want a lot of things. It don't mean they get them. We are the children of God, are we not? 
All right, so we, he knows we act like it. He knows we act like it. We're nosy. My children are nosy. They butt their nose into all kinds of things. They perk their ears up to listen to all kinds of things. I know this about them, so sometimes I let them eavesdrop. But then there's other times when I tell them, Amy, to go mind their business. Sometimes they get really invested in the conversation that's not their conversation, and they think they have a right to ask a question in the conversation. And that gets a little rude because then I look at them and go, did you say something? Well, Dad, well, they've learned. Once that happens, Sister Jackie, I just stare at them like, you want to lose your right to listen? Because if you keep talking, I'm going to revoke your right to listen. God knows how to deal with us. So don't mistake. Don't make this mistake that because the Bible doesn't answer all of our questions, that it doesn't answer some of our questions. And so this, I would submit to you that this book called the Bible is the story of humanity. It's the story of God interacting with that humanity. And at the beginning of that story, we know from the rest of Scripture, from hints and shadows, that there was a before that. Because before that, there was God. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know how he came into being. I don't know any of that. And the Bible doesn't tell me any of that. But when this story began, there was already an earth. Now, I know where some of you are going. You're going, ooh, preacher, what was there before? I don't have a foggy idea. I mean, I can come up with all kinds of theories, but theories are just me daydreaming. They're not fact. They're not truth. But what the Scripture tells me is that at this moment, and we all know, we know what's coming. We know it comes in day one and day two and day three and day four. We find this spectacular explosion of activity as God in his limitless power begins to speak and things happen. But today, I want you to recognize, I want you to understand from these first initial few verses that the conditions in which that miraculous creation occurred was chaos. It wasn't nothingness. I set creation ex nihilo aside. When we get to our story, the writer of Genesis tells us there was an earth, but it was a mess. There was water, but it had no boundaries. There was an absence of light, but there was a presence of darkness. There was chaos. But, now you can look at the rest of the scripture. <clears throat> Some of you already peaked, and I know it. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of that water. So you got an earth that doesn't have shape and form. It's empty. It's not productive. It's covered with water. Water's everywhere. And darkness is over that. But in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of what I would want to get away from, in the midst of what I would want to immediately fix, God's not wringing his hand. God's not feeling down. God's not feeling overwhelmed. God's moving. Now, some of you that got some spiritual maturity, you're already with me, but stay with me, okay? 
It's, it's fine you know where you think I'm going, but stay with me because I might go a few places you weren't anticipating. God begins to move. God begins to move. Now, I'm not going to take you through all of the days, but I want to take you through one. In the midst of that motion across the surface of the water, over the formless and empty and shapeless earth, over the chaos that is described in this verse 2, verse 3 says, God spoke. I love that passage in the prophet. God speaks things which are not as though they were. And we get hung up on this because we want to talk about, was this a literal 24-hour day? Was this an extended day? And we get all hung up trying to impose on God things that, frankly, he didn't tell us. All I know is that God spoke something that didn't exist, and he did it not in a perfect environment, not with everything ordered well, not with things the way they should be. He did it in the midst of chaos. He spoke in the midst of chaos and said, let there be light. And the scripture says that there was light. It goes on to say that God saw that the light was good. He's like, that worked. That did what I wanted it to do. It's not that he's shocked. He's just in the narrative, confirming. And then it says, so God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening, there was morning, marking the first day. You want my opinion? I think it was a literal first day. I think it was a 24-hour day. But if you're focused on that, you're missing the point. The point today in my foundation for what I want to preach to you is that God created the heavens and the earth, but he did so with a mess. In fact, I would submit to you that as powerful as it is for you and I to recognize that in God's nature, everything comes from God. In other words, the power of the truth of creation ex nihilo. Right alongside of that is the power that is more meaningful to you and I in our lives because our lives are not empty. Our lives are full of junk. Our lives are full of leftovers. Our lives are full of mess. Our lives are formless and shapeless. They're covered in darkness and they're covered in water. Things have gone wrong, not right. And if God in his creative power needs the perfect blank slate, then what we're handing him with our lives might be a problem. But I'm here today to tell you that the creation of our world in all of its spectacular beauty even as it's broken, it's still magnificent. It is amazing. It is breathtaking. All of that happened not out of nothing, but out of a mess. All of that happens not out of things being the way they should be, but out of chaos. Now, what is creation? You and I need to understand that creation 
is something new, it's something fresh, and it's something perfect. But to get something new, to get something fresh, and to get something perfect, because you read down through Genesis 1, every single day God looks at it and he assesses it. He goes, that one works. That's good. That's very good. I'm happy with what I have done. The perfect God, the one who has all power, who knows everything, looks at what he did and said, that works. you got to understand that creation is perfect, it's new, it's fresh, but chaos, that formlessness, that emptiness, and that darkness is the prelude to creation. In other words, the moments before the miraculous creation, if you had described them, you would find a mysterious God moving in some unknowable way across the chaos. And you and I would say, God, you got to remove the chaos in order to do something new and do something great and do something perfect. And my God would answer you back, oh, no, no, no. The chaos is the stuff I will use to create something new, to create something powerful, to create something perfect. I'm not having a problem with the chaos. I am Lord over the chaos. Oh, I hope somebody here is hearing me today because your life might be a bit of a chaos. It might have been jacked up. You might have made some bad choices. You might have had some bad things done to you and life is not the way you want it to be. And you're thinking, how can God do anything with this? How can God possibly do anything with this? I'm here to tell you in our story, this great creation that includes us as human beings, it started with God moving mysteriously over chaos. Did you see what I did there? Loud, 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 dropped. Lessons continued. Because I believe today, because I don't like chaos. <laughs> I don't like chaos. Chaos freaks me out, Keith. My instinct is to immediately take over and order the chaos. And God, God says, no, 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 no. You need to be still and know that I am God. You need to be still in the midst of the chaos. You need to be still in the formlessness. You need to be still in the vacuous. You need to be still in water everywhere. I'm not proud of it, but if I spill my water, I immediately start shrieking for my wife. Reg, get a rag. I want it under control. I hate when things are out of control. Do I speak the truth? She wants you to do it yourself because she's quicker. And I'm freaked out. I'm not kidding you. I'm freaked out by it. I'm almost frozen by it. So, so you all got to understand, I'm going to be very transparent with you, but the season of life that I'm in, Woo! I ain't a happy camper. I mean, I got a stiff upper lip. I'm smiling. I'm laughing because what else am I going to do? Cry? Because all my form is disintegrating. 
All my form is disintegrating. All of my certitude is bleeding away. And as I read in those first couple days after your challenge, probably took me a week to even get to it, Leela, so I wasn't even a good saint about it. I began to read this. I began to speak to me and say, son, if you really want something new, if you really want something perfect, if you really want something miraculous, then you're going to have to make peace with the fact that I start with chaos. I start with an earth that's not the way it's supposed to be. I start with shapelessness. I start with emptiness. I start with water. I start with darkness. I'm already moving, son. You think that when the chaos is gone, then I can start moving. Dude, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. No, no, no. I start moving into chaos. Because the chaos don't bother me. The chaos don't overwhelm me. The formlessness doesn't freak me out. Because I'm God. I'm in control. I know what's going on. My brothers and sisters, you can look around the world. We're in chaos. You don't have to be a Christian to think we're in chaos. You just need to be an air-breathing mammal. And we're in chaos. We are panicked. We don't have answers. We don't know what's going on. Now, I'm not here to preach you a doomsday message. I'm not even here to preach you that I know when Jesus is coming back because I don't know when he's coming back. I know i got to be watchful for when he comes back, but I don't know the day nor the hour. Jesus told us that we weren't going to know the day or the hour, that he was going to come in as a thief in the night. And the only way we were going to be ready for him is if we were watching 24-7. So we were in a state of preparedness. So I don't know what all it means, but I do know we're living in a world where there's chaos. It's not the first time there's been chaos, and it won't be the last time there's chaos, but there's chaos, and chaos freaks me out. Is anybody in here freaked out by chaos? Are they bothered? Are you fearful? Are you afraid? Are you bothered? Don't be... Don't be hard on yourself about that. God understands that that's the way that we are. But he needs us to hear this morning that in the midst of chaos, that's when I move creatively. In the midst of chaos, that's when I do amazing things. In the midst of chaos, my divine powerful word is able to cause things to happen which should not exist, but I speak them and they happen. I speak them and they happen. Well, how's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Lord, tell me the blueprint. You can't know that because you are overwhelmed by the formlessness. You are overwhelmed by the lack of shape. You are overwhelmed by the water, but I am not. I am not. I'm in control. Creation is something new. It's fresh. You know, there's times that I'd rather have my known formlessness than my unknown new creation. And I know I'm not the only one. 
At least we know what the darkness is like. At least we know what the emptiness is. We've come up with coping mechanisms for it. At least we're familiar with the formulas. Can you imagine the shock? When God says, let there be light, and suddenly there's light. Now, Scripture goes on and tells us that he separates the light from the darkness. So I don't know what that means before that. All we know is light separated from darkness, right? If lights come in, dark goes away, right? That's how that works. If it's dark in a room, and you turn on the light, darkness recedes. I don't know what happened to it. Some of you more physics-minded could play with that and figure out what you think happened there. I don't know. All I know is that then creation involved definition and dividing so as to distinguish. Creation of the first day, and it carried on in many other aspects, involved definition and dividing so as to distinguish. I don't like when God comes in and starts defining things. I like my definition. Don't you? <laughs> this is pretty good, right, God? Nah, it's a abysmal failure. We're offended. But we're equally offended when we look at something and go, God, this is pathetic. This is a failure. And he says, this is pleasing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm as offended by that statement as I am by the ones that he defines something that I think is a success as a failure. How can you say that, God? Look at this. But you see, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of us losing control, you want something new? You want creation that's perfect? You want something fresh? You and I are going to have to make peace with that God gets to define things. And then he gets to separate things. He gets to divide. I didn't read it to you, but you'll find that what happens is, as I see it, God didn't create water. He just divided it. He divided water above from water below, and then he divided the water below to a certain place. And when he did that, dry land that was already there appeared. We look at this beautiful world with mountains and plains and valleys, grasses and trees and herbs and all that he creates. It started with him walking in and going, okay, darkness, you don't come past this point. Light, you come to this point. Waters above, you go up here. Waters below, you have a boundary. So it's interesting to me Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. But I'm going to challenge you to remember that what was old did pass away, but not in the way we typically think about it. The earth was still there. It just had a new form. The waters were still there. They just had new boundaries. Darkness was still present. It just had an opposite. I got a message for some people here today. You're looking at your train wreck of a life. You're looking at the chaos of your walk with God. And you're asking God to somehow create a blank slate. That's not what he wants to do. That's what you would need to do. That's what I would need to do. Because I can't deal with chaos. It reaches a certain point that I'm like, clear the decks. Let's start over. God goes, no. Give me your brokenness. Give me your sinful life. Give me your abuse. Give me your hurts. Give me your broken body. Give me, give me your crushed spirit. Give me your fears. Give me your doubts. Give me all of this mess. Can you feel me moving? I know you can't see me. But can you feel me moving? Can you feel the movement of my spirit? You're not going to be able to whist where it comes from or where it goes. You're not going to be able to control it. But can you feel me? I'm moving upon the face of the waters. I'm moving upon your darkness. I'm moving upon your brokenness. I'm moving upon your fears. I'm moving upon the things you don't have answers to. I'm moving. If you are in Christ, that's creating a new. Not by starting with nothing, but by starting with chaos. Just like he did in the physical world, so he does in the spiritual world. Verse 18, Paul goes on. He says, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he's given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're messengers. We speak for God as though God were making his plea through us. It's through our voice. But you see, brothers and sisters, you can't let the world know about what he's pleading if you haven't received it yourself. We plead with you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him, 
we would become the righteousness of God. This gospel message is not something you do. This gospel message is something he does. Yes, you have free will. Yes, you have choice. And yes, unlike the rest of creation, which must do whatever his voice tells them, because of the way he made us as humans, with choice and with free will, you can tell the creator who knows no limits, no, and place limits on him. We're the only creatures that can do this because God has submitted himself to our choice. But I'm here this morning to tell you that the accuser of the brethren that has pointed out everything that's wrong with your life, the accuser of the brethren that has laid out all of the formlessness and all of the emptiness and all of the watery mess and said, there is no way until this is cleaned up that God can do anything with you. And you don't know what to do to clean it up. You don't know how to clean it up. You have no answers. You feel overwhelmed and you feel absolutely answerless. I'm here today to tell you the accuser is a liar. The truth is not in him. He cannot speak the truth. Every time he opens his mouth, what comes out of it is perversion and a lie. And from the beginning of our story, I want you to see that the God who loves you, the God who loves you so much that he was born a human and that he went to a cross and he died for you. He shed his blood for you so that you could go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that through that you then can receive his spirit and receive power to begin to change. That mysteriously moving God is not freaked out by you. Your jacked up life, your formless thoughts, your overwhelmed choices, he's not bothered. All he's asking is, is today, will you believe me? It's that simple. Yes, there are actions that will come following believing. Repentance would be one. Baptism would be another. Infilling of his spirit would be another. Pursuit of holiness would be another. But I need you to understand it all starts with he that believeth. That's where it starts. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Please, 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 if a preacher's told you that all you have to do is believe, you need to understand and you need to read the book of James. Belief leads to action. Faith without works is dead, but the works are not what save you. You cannot do anything. It will go to your credit and you'll become puffed up and proud. You are saved by the mercy of God and you are saved by the grace of God. Will you believe him? Will you in your watery mess, will you in the midst of your chaos, will you say to Jesus, I believe in you? Now the problem is... <clears throat> is he's going to start moving, and he's going to start speaking, and he's going to start saying, this needs to go, and he's going to say, this needs to come, and he's going to say, there's a boundary, don't cross it, and then he's going to say, but that boundary creates this, 
And on this, I'm going to put all kinds of beautiful things, things you've never seen before, things you don't even know what to do with, but I'll provide for you in the midst of that. And meanwhile, all that stuff that I put a boundary on, I'll put stuff down in there as well, like sea sea creatures and all of that. I'll just create all of this if you will just give me time. So if you've not experienced the gospel of Jesus Christ, you haven't believed in him. Or you've believed, but you've not yet responded according to the scriptures. Because belief will lead to repentance. Repentance will lead to baptism, both in water and in spirit. My message for you today is start with believing him. All the things that say that it can't happen for you, reject that. That's coming from the accuser. He's a liar. And God doesn't. God doesn't follow his orders. But if you are already a believer, you're walking with Christ, and everything isn't turning out right the way you thought it was going to turn out. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I imagine there's a few in here where you're at certain points in your life, and you look at it, and you go, God, I'm a little confused. I thought I had you all buttoned up. I thought I knew how this was all going to turn out. I thought I knew what you were up to. And now suddenly, I mean, I don't have the same chaos that I had before, but I got another set of chaos. God, you've been faithful in the past, for which I'm thankful, but now I'm looking at something where I'm not, I'm like, oh, this is, what's going what's to happen now? And I even feel bad for the fact because I know that you've been faithful in the past, but I'm still scared at this precipice. I'm still afraid at this moment. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't have all the answers. I'm here this morning to preach to us. Your chaos is his creation. Your chaos is his creation. Be still and know that he is God. Jesus tried to tell his disciples this. He says, you humans worry about so many things. You worry about your clothes. You worry about your food. You worry about shelter. He says, but I take care of the grass, which has no eternal significance. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's green and then cut and burned up. But I clothe it in a way that kings can't even meet with the splendor. Birds, chirpy little irritating flitty birds. that probably got bugs and all kinds of things on them, and they just chirp around and all of that. But I, I feed them. They don't worry. But I take care of them. How much more significant are you? How much more do I love you? You, the human beings that I created in my image and after my likeness. You, who I put my spirit within and caused you to live. 
we as Christians have even further, we who have received his spirit unto salvation. He's living inside of us. He said, so don't worry about tomorrow. When tomorrow gets here, you'll be able to handle tomorrow. Seek my kingdom. Know that I am God. And I'll add everything you need. I'll take care of everything. But God, it's such a mess. I don't want to make it all about me, folks, but I do want you to hear me transparently. This is me talking to God. This isn't just me illustrating. No, no, no. God, it's such a mess. I don't, I don't know how this all works out. I don't have answers. And I've always had answers. How's this work? What are you doing? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And everything was a mess. It was formless. Music, if you'd come. Darkness and water are everywhere. And God moves over the chaos and speaks. And day by day, Chaos is transformed into a beautiful, new, and perfect creation. So what's he got in store for you, my dear brothers and sisters? What does he have in store for this church? What does he have in store for your family? What does he have in store? Well, the only way you're going to know is if you stop trying to sweep up the water. You stop trying to dig trenches to make the earth what it should be. You be still. And understand that this God that we serve is not limited like us. And this God that we serve knows more than we know. And this God that we serve is in the creation business. Because he didn't stop with the earth. Yeah, the earth is broke. And by the way, you get to the end of the book, what's it say? Heaven and earth are going to be destroyed, and then I'm going to make a new heaven, and I'm going to make a new earth. I wonder if the story that starts over will be in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void. It was darkness upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God was moving mysteriously over the water, and God said, Somebody's listening. I wonder if we're going to be a little more shocked by what heaven actually is. I wonder if God hasn't, this isn't his first rodeo. I wonder if he's not as shocked by everything because he's been at this before. I don't know. All I know is that the God that is told to me in that book that I believe is the revelation of who he is, that God does not seem to be shocked by my sin. That God does not seem to be overwhelmed by my chaos. That God does not seem to think that there's a problem with his creative powers. If I will simply believe him... Be still and know that he is God and allow his word day by day to direct my path.
in this season. I've gone to God multiple times and says, God, I need a plan. He says, no, you don't. I said, God, I really need a plan. He said, no, you don't. He said, it's good that you know how to plan, son. And you've honed that to a skill that's pretty good. Now I need you to practice another skill. Do you know what to do today? So I ask you today. I know we'd like to have all the answers. I know we'd like to have all the plan. Individually. Our families. Our church. The world. When's when's war going to stop? When's the fires going to stop? I mean, we could keep going. There's there's, there's so many questions. Are we going to get climate change under control? Is there really climate? I mean, we just could go on and on and on. But I ask you a simple question today. This is my closing question. Do you know what to do today? (laughs) See, it infuriates me when God says this to me because I know what to do today. I know everything I need to do today. And I have all the resources I need to do it today. Today's okay. God, I'm okay with today. It's tomorrow I'm freaking out about. And then comes the voice of our master and says, would you stop worrying about tomorrow? When tomorrow gets here, I'm going to have things there too. The first day he just created light. I don't even know how that light worked because I know that later he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, which are all the sources of light for us. If there's no sun, moon, or stars, it's pitch black. Anybody found that out? You can go to places in the United States where there's no sun, the moon's gone, and the stars are so far away, it's like pitch black. So how was there light before there were sun, moon, and stars? I don't know. So what the fact that God is saying, hey, something exists, and later on in a few more days I'll create something else, that's just how God works. Do you have what you need for today? If you've never repented of your sins, I'm telling you, that's your first step today. Believe and repent. If you believed and repented, but you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, that's your first step. You need to be baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ because there's salvation in no other name. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you believed and you've been baptized and you've repented and you haven't received his spirit, ask him for it. He says it's his good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And if you've been doing all of that, but you're like me and you're flipping out about all the rest of the stuff, I'm going to open this altar up and I encourage you to come. Maybe you do it physically or maybe you just do it mentally, but you lay it all down. I want you to lay tomorrow and the next day and the next day and all of that down. I want you to lay it down on this altar and I want you to be present. I want you to be still. I want you to just be in his presence and I want you to just think about what is today and I can do today. Would you come? Would you come? Would you lay down your fears? All across this place, 
I pastor here. I know you all. There's no way life's perfect. Mine's not and yours not. But this God has provided for us. He's creating things new and fresh and perfect. And he does all things well. Help us, Lord, to release the chaos that we're trying to control and submit to your sovereign movement across the waters. Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship your name, Lord. I praise your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they pray for me, Lord. God, whatever it is that we are, struggling to let go of and to lay down at your feet. Help us right now, Lord. Whatever we can't control, whatever we're afraid of. Hallelujah. God, I repent of my sins, Lord. I ask you to forgive me, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you created a way for me to be forgiven of all of my sins. Thank you for being my advocate with God. Your sinless sacrifice upon Calvary bought me forgiveness. Thank you for the blood that was applied in my baptism. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, that's evidenced by me speaking in other tongues as the spirit, as you give me the utterance, Lord. Thank you. God, we come unto you weary and burdened, heavy laden. Give us rest. Help us, Lord, to take your yoke upon us. Help us to learn of you. Help us to believe you. Oh, I praise you for being, for being faithful. I thank you for being faithful. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for your direction. I thank you for your, your diligence and your commitment to me. God, I open my hands to you and I release everything to you, Lord. God, I'll probably grab it back again, but Lord, I'll be reminded and maybe release it again and again, Lord. I'll release as many times as I have to. Lord, you be the God of my life. Lord, you be the God of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. No sin is too great that you cannot be the God of my life. No fear is too great that your love, perfect love, cannot cast it out. God, give us a peace that passeth all understanding, that keeps our hearts and our minds in you. Help us, Lord, to have peace in the midst of chaos. Help us, Lord, to have that peace in the midst of brokenness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Help us to remember your words to so many of your followers. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Your promise to your disciples before us, that's a promise to us now. I will be with you always, even to the end. I will never leave you or forsake you. Thank you for that promise. Help me to believe it. Forgive me when I don't. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. 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 My dear brothers and sisters that have experienced the new birth experience, please remember that he does not stop creating, but he creates a new and a new and a new. It's okay what he's done in the past, but he wants to create a new in your life. Till the day you die, he's going to create a new. And even in your death, he's then going to create once again a new as you get a new body in Christ Jesus as you get a new existence in heaven. Lord, I trust you and I believe you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. I love you and I magnify your name, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I love you and I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want us at the close of this service to, to all stand together, and I, I want us to sing just that one verse. Because... We don't even know what this word means. Hallelujah. It's funny to me how many preachers and how many people try to tell us what it means as if we've got to know what it means. I think it might be better if we didn't know what it meant. We just recognize because of the scriptures that it somehow conveys worship to him. If we know what it means, it almost puts us back in control. And today, I want you leaving here totally out of control. Now, I'm not talking about that you need to go have a wreck or, Sister Jackie, I'm not telling you to just start swerving all over the parking lot. But, but, but in a spiritual sense, I, I really do believe we need to leave totally out of control. Because if we are totally out of control spiritually, guess who's in control? The Creator who does all things well. So maybe it's just me, but would you join with me? Maybe it is just for me, and if it is, humor your old pastor. I want us to sing this just a couple of times as we close service, and I want you to lay aside. If you've heard it's the highest praise, if you've heard it means this or that, lay it aside. I don't know what it means. I'll tell you honestly, I don't think any legit biblical scholar knows what it means. 
It's a word that got transliterated. We just brought it over from the original language into our language. But when we sing it, something happens, doesn't it? I know you all know that. There's something about this word. There's something about this. And so I don't know. I don't I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But I want to close this service with worship where we just simply let go and put it into his hands. Somebody help me out. Regina, somebody. I don't even know where to start. All right, you ready? There we go. I hear it. Ali.
I think it says something significant. A lot of people say, may, may the Lord be with you. No. Vaya con Dios. You. You go with God. You know him. You feel his presence here. Go with him today. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, get up and go with him tomorrow. And when you wake up the next day, get up and go with him the next day. Vaya con Dios. Go with God, brothers and sisters. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.